Thanks, Pastor Brent. That was a great job. Uh, you know, everything is new at one chapel. So um, we're, not, we're not good at everything yet. It's just the way new churches are. So we, we, we will get better at each thing as we go through a little season of working it out. Like communion took a little longer than it probably should have today. We're working that out. If you were here last week, it took even longer than it did today. And so, you know, each week we'll kind of get a little bit better at it. And so, uh, you know, turn to your neighbor and say, it's okay. It's all right. It's all right. Yeah, it's okay. Um, so, so one of the things that's coming that's really important that I believe in is the idea of connecting with people individually. It's not enough to come to a, a movie theater and go to church, <laughs> as great as that is. It's not good enough just to come to a big meeting where a bunch of people are and sing some songs. and It's, it's wonderful to do that, but that doesn't actually produce disciples. What produces disciples are small groups of people opening up their lives to each other, giving each other access to their lives and to what's happening in their lives. And so what's coming here this fall, in just the next few weeks, we're going to be working on uh, how to make sure that everybody can connect to some kind of small group if they want to. You won't be forced to. It's certainly part of your, your uh, will and desire. If you want to do it, we want to make it possible for you. So that's coming soon. So small groups are coming. I, wanna, I want you to begin to think about how the... What, what kind of thing you might want to be involved in. If you want to host a small group, if you want to host at your house, you have, a, you have a nice, pretty house, then have a bunch of people over. It's one of the best ways to meet people. If you're brand new in the church and you're like, I don't know anybody, well, have some people over to your house. It's going to be great. And clean up the carpet afterwards and all that stuff, but have them come over and have a small group at your house. I'm thinking about this. this is, do you want me to give you a little preview? Oh, well, if you don't want me to, I won't. It's okay. It's fine. I'm thinking about, you know, so many, so many small groups function around um, sort of information transfer. You know, the transfer of information. Like, this is how we become disciples. And, we, we, you know, we get this information into this guy's head. And once it's in his head, then it's, you got it. How many of you know that that doesn't actually produce a Christian? Okay, because a lot of you know things. You're still wrestling. Okay, so it's not the knowledge of the stuff. What it is is something else. There's a supernatural process that goes on here that the presence of Jesus must sort of work in your life and work in your heart. And one of the ways that happens is you work with other people. They work with you. They connect to you. You connect to them. You give them access, and they begin to identify the things that you need to change. And so I'm not a fan of, uh, of just showing up on Sunday. I really think part of the church of Jesus Christ, if we're going to produce disciples, we've got to be with one another, not just transferring information, but be with one another and enough where we're doing life together, where we're sharing life together. And so I'm thinking about doing small groups based on two issues, just two simple things. One of them is you've got to eat together. Turn your neighbor and say, food. Yeah, food. It's good. If you eat together, there's something, Acts 2.42, you know what it says? Acts 2.42 said that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the breaking of bread, to fellowship, and to prayer. So if you put those, those things into a, a home group, you've got to break some bread together. It wasn't just the coming together at, at the Lord's table. There was, there was this sharing of food. There was a meal. There was a, something about that communion over a meal. And then they prayed together. 
And, and certainly we can do book studies, we can study the Bible, we can study the message because it's going to be awesome and you want to talk about it all week. But what you'll have to, some of you just don't get the humor, do you? You're just, it's like that was sarcasm. That was supposed to be funny. It's not real. I'm just being funny. I'll try to do better next week. See, everything gets better. So, so, so you, you, you eat together and you pray together and those are the only requirements for being in a small group. How many of you could be in a small group like that? That would be easy. That would be simple. Okay. So we'll work on that. Next few weeks, we'll make that happen. All right. Are you ready to study the scriptures? All right. Let's turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 1. 2 Corinthians chapter 1. As a new church, it's always uh, a bit difficult to figure out what do you teach on? What do you speak on? How does this, how do you get the ideas into people? Because ideas do shape people. And so it's not that ideas are bad or that we don't need them. We do need them. But what this means is we're going to do a little bit at a time. We're going to do a tiny bit. And I have way too much material here to finish in 20 minutes. So what's, what's going to happen is we're going to do a little bit at a time, and uh, we're, going to, we're going to learn together. One of the things that I'm excited about with a new church is just the process of growing with people, just the process of getting to know people, and the process of, of learning how they work, and us all growing and learning together. So first, uh, or 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 19, says, For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who was preached among you by me, and Silas, and Timothy, was not yes and no, but in him it has always been, what is that word? Say it out loud. It has always been yes, for no matter how many promises God has made, they are, what is it? Say it one more time. Yes, in Christ. I just realized what it is. I just realized we're in a theater, which means there's carpet all over the walls, which means I can't hear you. That's, you, that's, that's what's happening. I, I say, come on, say it out loud. It's like, yes. <laughs> I just got it. They are yes. The promises that God has made are yes in Christ. And so through him, the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. Did you know that amen is not just a cute little ending for a prayer? Amen actually means so be it, or I agree. And there was all kinds of different uh, types of words that they used to end together in the first century church. They, they experimented with some different things, but finally they just went back to, as the church grew and, and experimented with different ways of saying I agree or yes or amen. They went back to the original, which was Jesus, and his words, amen, which means so be it. And so... And so it's not just a, oh, I kind of agree with that. No, it's like a affirming yes. And one of the things we're doing right now is we're, we're studying the idea of, of what Jesus says yes to you about. Last week we talked about how Jesus, how we say yes to Jesus. And so in this series of yes, we're talking about how, um, how, how we say yes to Jesus, but we're also talking about what he says to us. Because I think that sometimes... Christianity is viewed as a, a group of people that are killjoys, that are sticks in the mud. They're, Christianity is somehow viewed with a bunch of don'ts and no-nos. Don't do this. Don't do that. No, that's not allowed. This is, if that's what we're all about, we're in trouble. Nobody's interested in that message. And that's not the message of the gospel. Jesus did not die... Everybody listen to me. Jesus did not die for behavior modification. 
He didn't die just to modify your behavior. It's not about do's and don'ts. It's about something completely different. And so as we, as we think about today, I want you to think about what Jesus says yes to you. Christianity is much more a resounding yes that comes from the love of God through the work of Christ. He is saying yes to us by loving us. He is saying yes to the best for us. He's saying yes to the, our own fulfillment, our own lives being fulfilled and strong and full. He's saying yes to strength in us, yes to helping us, yes to everything we need. Notice in, uh, go over to Matthew chapter 7. Now, I've made a commitment. If you turn in your Bibles, Matthew chapter 7, and we'll go to verse 7, all right? I've made a commitment not to show Scripture on the screen. And the reason, this is, isn't this a lovely screen? It's a beautiful screen, isn't it? It's incredible that we could, could sort of design all this stuff, and it's cool. I'm going to put that Scripture right there so you can know where to find it. But I'm not projecting it on the screen because I want you to know your Bible. I want you to have knowledge, intimate knowledge of the Scripture, and you have to turn there and look for it and, and, and figure it out. And I want you to take a little pen, and I want you to take a little paper, and I want you to make notes because when you listen, it's one level of retention, but when you write down, it's a whole other level. And uh, when you read it with your eyes as well as hear it with your ears, it all uh, helps in you re uh, retaining what Jesus is saying to you. And you don't have to write down my words because my words may not be that great. But the Holy Spirit, I believe, will speak to you while this message is going on. And so here we are in Matthew chapter 7. If you look there at verse 7, it says, Ask and it will be given you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. He who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, the door will be open. Let's stop right there and let's go over to Luke chapter 18. Sorry, Luke chapter 5 is where we should go first. Luke 5. Turn over your Bibles. Luke 5, verse 12. While Jesus was in one of the towns, a man came along who was covered with leprosy. When he saw Jesus, he fell with his face to the ground and begged him, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. And Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said. Be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. Turn over to Luke chapter 18. Luke chapter 18, verse 35. Verse 35 says this. As Jesus approached Jericho, a blind man was sitting by the roadside begging. And when he heard the crowd going by, he asked what was happening. They told him, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. He called out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Those who led the way rebuked him and told him to be quiet. But he shouted all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and ordered the man to be brought to him. And when he came near, Jesus asked him, what do you want me to do for you? Lord, I want to see, he replied. And Jesus said to him, receive your sight, your faith has healed you. And immediately, everybody say immediately. Immediately he raised his, he's received his sight and followed Jesus, praising God. And when all the people saw it, they also praised God. These, these scriptures that I've just read you, the first one was, ask and it will be given. Jesus is not trying to withhold from you. Jesus wants to give you everything he has. Jesus wants to share everything that is available to you. Everything that the Holy Spirit has to give you, everything God the Father has to give you, he wants to share everything he has with you. 
We see here two examples, just two. There's so many more as I was looking through it. Two examples of Jesus walking along and somebody asking him for something. This, the first one was a man with leprosy. Think about this for a second. Leprosy was the untouchable disease. You could not touch them. That's why they sequestered them in colonies. And so Jesus was the one man who would go by a leper. Think about this. And he would go by and this man who skin white with leprosy, no one else would touch him. Lived in a colony where people didn't touch. And so he would walk by and this, this, this man with leprosy asked Jesus, I know you can heal me. And what did Jesus do? He actually reached down. Maybe the greatest need of a leper to be touched. The greatest need of a leper and touched him. And he was clean. You see this other story where, where this blind man was sitting beside the road and he hears the commotion and you can see the scene. People are walking down this durst, dirt, dirty, <laughs> dusty, dirty road and, and, as and as Jesus is walking down in, in this crowd, he's, he's saying, what, what's happening? I mean, you can see him. His eyes are not working right. And he what's happening? Who is it? And somebody says, it is Jesus of Nazareth. And he's passing by, and he's heard of Jesus. And so he starts yelling. You could imagine. He's staring. By, Jesus, Jesus, hey, Jesus, come here. Come here. I want you to touch me. Help it, Jesus. <laughs> see, you didn't see that in the Bible the first time you read it, did you? You gotta, you gotta kind of read. You gotta read, see the story, see the scene. And people then they start saying, "Would you stop yelling? That's so annoying. Stop doing that." They re, the scripture says they rebuked him. I don't think we should ever rebuke anyone for crying out to Jesus, even if it's personally annoying. People need for us to be patient with their process, with what's going on with them. One of the callings of the local church is to be compassionate and caring to those who are in need. The bottom line is we're all in need. We're all in process. Some people further along than others. And sometimes it can get annoying when people, they're crying out, they're calling out. They need Jesus to touch them, but they don't know exactly know how to do it or how to get at him or how to get to him or how to let him get to them. But the bottom line is Jesus wants to get to them. Jesus wants to get to you. And so Jesus goes by and, he, and he, he doesn't ignore him. He stopped and ordered the man to be brought to him. So the crowd is here and you can read into it. He said, who is that? Somebody's yelling at me. And then he had the man brought to him. And then he said, it's, an, it's such a great question. When he came near, Jesus asked him, what do you want me to do for you? Lord, I want to see. And then Jesus said, receive your sight. Jesus was the epitome of yes. The people that he said no to most often were religious people. People who thought they had it all together. People who put heavy burdens on other people's backs. But Jesus was not like that. He, he said yes to those who needed him. 
He said yes to those who would cry out for him. He was such the epitome of yes. I want you to think about this for a second. He was yes. He was the epitome of yes. So much so that when he was walking through a crowd one day, there was, is everybody with me? Walking through the crowd one day. And as he was walking through, people were pressing in on him. And it was such a press of, of the crowd. He stopped in the middle of the crowd. He said, wait, who touched me? <laughs> and the scripture actually says, Scripture actually, his disciples looked at him and said, what are you talking about, Jesus? This is the partially paraphrase. What are you talking about, Jesus? That was supposed to be funny, too. <laughs> what are you talking about, Jesus? You, everybody's pressing in on you, and, and you're being touched by all these people. He was so much yes that even this lady, when she came and she, she had a disease in her blood, and she said to herself, if I could just touch the hem of his garment... If I could just touch it, then I know that Jesus would heal me. And so she gets there, and she grabs a hold of him, and Jesus feels it go out of his body. That is super spooky. <laughs> I mean, that is weird. That is a trip. But Jesus was in tune with the Father to such a degree that he could feel the yes go out of him. The yes went out of him, and he didn't even intend to do it. It just came out of him. Jesus wants to say yes to you. He has so much for you. He is so for you. Now, the problem is we get confused. We get loaded down with all kinds of guilt, condemnation. Most Christians' number one problem is they can't receive what Jesus has for them because they either think that they're not worthy or they're infatuated with something else that they want that he doesn't want them to have. It's really true. And, and, and listen, let me make it clear. It's not that Jesus never says no to you. I mean... If, if, if you, if, there, there's a whole thing we're going to get to here in a second. We're not going to get to it today. I've already cut the message in half, and we're going to do the second half next week. All right? Because the second half is so good, I don't want to ruin it by trying to do it in 10 minutes. All right? So, so, so if, if you want to come back next week, you get to hear the end. But, but I, let, me just, let me just say, the, the, there's two, essentially two problems. One is we don't, we don't think that we're worthy we, we, we've, we're loaded down by guilt and condemnation, feelings of inadequacy, or we're fixated on something that is totally not good for us. And Jesus is the one who knows it's not good for us. And sometimes, here's, here's the crazy thing. Here's the crazy thing. So Jesus is so much of a yes guy. He so much wants to, to say yes that sometimes he'll give you what you fixate on just to prove to you that it's not working. He'll, he'll give it to you. You fixate on something, a certain lifestyle, a certain issue, a certain, certain sin, a certain uh, thing in your, in your heart, in your mind, you push for it, you want to make so much money, you just want to make all this money, and you're so fixated on making money because making money will make you... <laughs> Most of us know that that's not true, but there's something deep on the inside of many of us 
And even though we kind of know it's not true here, we, it's, we're, we're, we're pressed, we're pushed, we keep going, we keep trying. So I, I want to focus on the, on the first idea. Turn your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3. I love the Bible. It's so good. If you just read it, if you just read it, I have a fundamental idea. I have a fundamental belief that all the big cookies are on the bottom shelf. All the big cookies are on the bottom shelf. They are accessible to everybody. You don't need some deep theological teacher to help you understand it. It is, it is available to you. Now, the more you study, the more you realize, the more you learn. You become a good, good studier of the scripture, and you will learn more and more and more. But all the big cookies are on the bottom shelf. Here is a passage where the Apostle Paul is speaking to the Ephesian people, and he's praying over them, all right? Here, his, here is his prayer. Notice it. Verse 16 in chapter 3. Verse 16, chapter 3. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. Now, for a believer, somebody who believes in Jesus, somebody who's given their life to Christ, a miracle occurs, and that is we become this temple of the Holy Spirit. So where is the Holy Spirit? He's in us. He, we house him. And so what Paul, Paul, the Apostle Paul is praying, <laughs> Apostle Paul is praying, say that six times fast. He's praying for this, the Holy Spirit in your inner being to be filled for you to be filled with power so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the saints to grasp. Okay, so he's, he's, he's saying I want you to be filled with power. I want you to be filled with faith. And then I want you to be rooted and established in, what is it? In love. And he may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and how long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge. The love of Jesus has to surpass information for you. It has to go beyond just your Sunday school lessons. If any of you went to Sunday school and you saw the, the little flannel board, I love flannel board. And you saw the story, and there's the little Jesus walking along and healing the blind man, and he always had his eyes, like, gouged out. And <laughs> Well, it wasn't gouged, like, bloody. It was, just, it was just, you know, it always looked a little funny. I don't know. I was five. It just looked like they were gouged. So, so Jesus, going along, and, and, and you're, you learn the story. So you read the story, but then you don't really get it inside of you. Unless it comes by revelation. There has to be some moment, some place, some way. And many times this happens in a meeting like this. It happens in a small group. It happens when you're by yourself uh, out uh, praying, when Jesus speaks to you. Sometimes it happens at the very lowest moment of your life. When you've chased down something so much, you've wanted it so bad and you've chased it so far and finally you've come to that rock bottom place and you don't know what to do and it's at that moment that Jesus shows up. <laughs> And I love that about him, and it's because of his love. And so we have to understand the love of Jesus, the yes of Jesus, in a greater way than just understanding it here. We have to have something 
of a confidence, something that is revealed to us that goes beyond knowledge. It goes beyond information to revelation. And as it goes to revelation, here's what happens. He says, that you may be filled. Everybody say filled. That you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. What that scripture means is that God wants to put himself in you. All that he has, he wants it to be inside of you. And when you come to Jesus, one of the things that happens with a, with a Christian, when you come at the beginning, you don't really, if you don't get this, if you don't get this revelation, if you don't get that Jesus loves you without limits, if you don't get that Jesus accepts you exactly as you are, the gospel story is not get all cleaned up and then come to him and then maybe he'll take you. It's come to him exactly as you are. You don't have to fix anything. In fact, he doesn't want you to fix anything because you'll just mess it up. What he wants you to do is come to him exactly as you are and then let him begin to shape you and mold you in his loving arms. There is something, if you can get the revelation of the love of God, you will understand what I'm talking about when I say, say that Jesus says yes to you. It's a revelation of his love that's so big. How, how long, how wide, how deep, how incredible, how beyond our comprehension. You don't have to earn it. You don't have to do anything for it. He loves you without limit. And once you settle that, guess what? Guess what you get? You start getting him downloading into you the measure of all the fullness of God. Once you settle that issue, but if you're, if you're a Christian and you've never settled the love issue, so you, uh, you have some kind of performance mentality that you have that you've grown up with and maybe you had a dad that was real demanding and so now you feel like you just have to please and everything is, is just a big deal and you've got to make sure everything's right and if it's not right, then you just don't feel loved. It's a very common tale. The love of God is so big, it's so great, it's so huge. If you can get that revelation, everything else comes. Everything else begins to fill you. Everything else begins to pour into you. You get the measure of the fullness of God. If you think about it, we can look at Jesus' life and we see how he loved people. I want you to consider the disciples that he called to himself. These were not the top of the class. They weren't at the top of the rabbinical class. <laughs> they were, they were kind of middle to lower bottom half. These guys were fishermen. They were stinky. As stinky. <laughs> they, were, they were the kind of guys who'd gone through rabbinical school but had not really excelled as much as others. And Jesus had his pick, his pick of anybody. And what he did was he chose these guys. A fisherman, think of it, a tax collector, the lowest of the low in that culture. I mean, even in this culture, it's pretty low, right, Steve? <laughs> he, he chose a doubter. Thomas would have called himself a realist. He chose a betrayer. He chose these guys. He wants to choose you. You consider 
The story of the Good Samaritan that Jesus tells. All of us maybe know the story of the Good Samaritan. The Good Samaritan is this story of how this, this Samaritan who shouldn't even have been open to helping this Jewish man. And then Jesus throws in all kinds of crazy stuff with Levites and priests into the story just to mix it up. He puts all these pieces together. And the miracle of a Samaritan man helping a Jewish man, I mean, we don't quite get it in our culture, but it would kind of like be a, a, a longhorn helping an Aggie is what it would kind of be. It'd kind of be like that. It's, it's, just, it's just not done. We just, we just don't do that. And this guy went across the social boundaries of his day. See, Jesus said yes to people across political boundaries, across social boundaries, across the different expectations that they had. If you think about the Good Samaritan, it was, it was this guy who went across those boundaries. When you think about what Jesus, when Jesus said yes to so many women in the scriptures, and in that day, women were not treated with respect. But Jesus had women ministering with him. He had, he had um, an incredible influence on Mary Magdalene. When you think about Jesus showing up in John chapter 4 at the woman at the well, Jesus sat down with her and began to tell, tell her um, about water that she could have. She wouldn't have to come to this well. He began to read her mail and tell her exactly what her life was all about. He was crossing a boundary to say yes. Jesus says yes, sometimes when we don't even expect it. He said yes to these disciples, even though they weren't worthy. He said yes to these women. He said yes to the 72 and sent them out with power and authority. He said yes to the crowd that had gathered and needed food, and they were hungry. And so he, t he turns to his disciples and says, how much food do we have? And they said, we don't have hardly anything. And he, and he said, you give them something to eat. Jesus is all about saying yes. Now, next week, we'll talk about some of, the, some of the twists and turns of what happens when he says yes to you. Because it's not always what you expect. It may take you on a journey that you didn't realize was ahead of you. But Jesus is saying yes to you because he knows you, he loves you, and if you can get that love, this, this sense of his love and acceptance in you, then you can be filled with what he is doing and what he wants to say, how he wants to use you, how he wants to walk with you in your life. I want you just to take a moment and I want you to close your eyes and I want you to just, to, if you want to, you can just bow your head and I want to take a moment and I want to pray with you because all of the words that I've said and the scriptures that I've read, as good as they are, it, it, it really doesn't, make a difference unless God speaks to you in this moment. So the band's going to come up here, and we're going we're gonna to play real quick before we go. But everybody, just for a moment, I just want you to consider what Jesus might be saying to you. That he's, he wants to say yes in a greater way than you've allowed him to. He wants to give you more. Maybe some of you in this room are frustrated. You're frustrated because it seems like you've asked Jesus to give you all kinds of things. And yet, he hasn't. And it's confusing to you. <laughs>
Jesus has more strength, more help, more comfort, more peace than you can possibly imagine. And I, I believe that sometimes all we need to do is we just need to say yes to him. And we just say, okay, Jesus, I, I'll take whatever you want to give me. I'll receive whatever you have for me. So he wants to give you something. He wants to give you himself. Maybe you're here this morning and you, you haven't been to church in a while and you haven't, you really haven't been living in a way that is honoring to Jesus. He's tried to say yes to you, but you've resisted. I want to call you back to him today. I want you to respond to him. In some way, you've landed here in a movie theater <laughs> to hear a message about how much he loves you. And I want you to respond to him. So just all over the room, if you sense that Jesus is calling you back to himself, or maybe you've just never even committed your life to Christ. You, there's, it's always been a mystery to you, but you're ready today to sort of take the next step. I want to give you a chance to say yes to him. He's saying yes to you. Now I want to give you a chance to say yes to him. Say yes to his love. Say yes to all that he has. With every eye closed, I just, I just not, I'm not going to call you forward. I'm not going to do anything to embarrass you. But I want you to respond in this moment to what the Holy Spirit is saying to you. And if he's speaking to you, I just want you to, to raise your hand in the air and say, I know Jesus wants me to say yes to him today. I'm going to say yes. Just lift up your hand. Yep, I see your hand. Yep, I see you up there. Yep, all over there. Yep, I see it. Yep, that's good. Yeah, don't resist. Don't resist. If, he, if you feel him speaking to you and you, say, you need to say yes again, just say yes. Just say yes. Anybody else? Anybody else? You just want to lift up your hand and say, yeah, God, I don't care if I'm like the annoying blind man. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say yes. I want you. I need you. Anybody else? Yeah, that's a lot of hands. Everybody put your hands down again. And We all say things we don't necessarily mean way too much. But I want to pray with you, and I want you to pray with me. So I'm going to lead you in a prayer. And it's not the reciting of these words that makes the big difference. It's, it's not you repeating after me that makes the difference. It is believing them and meaning them in your heart. And so I'm going to lead you in a prayer. And then I'm going to pray over you, and we'll be finished for today. Okay, everybody, just pray after me all over the room. Everybody joining together. Let's pray this prayer together. Say, Heavenly Father, thank you for your love, for your mercy, for your kindness to me. I want to give you my life today. <laughs> I want to surrender everything I have. I know you have what's best for me. So I yield to your work in my heart. Thank you for saying yes to me. Thank you for cleansing me. Thank you for washing my sins away. I want to make a new start today.
I want to become a new person. Forgive me of my sins. Become Lord of my life. Thank you, Jesus, for what you've done for me. Now let me just pray over you. Heavenly Father, you know every person in this room and where they're at, what they've experienced, what they're experiencing even now, that the Spirit of God is speaking to them and they're saying, yes, I'm ready to go. I want to start again. I've, I, I want to I become a new person I don't want to be held back by the, the junk, the stuff, the, the things I used to think or the, 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 any of those burdens that I tend to carry. Lord, I pray that you release people from guilt here in the name of Jesus. Release them from condemnation. The accuser of the brethren, the enemy of their souls, trying to come against them. I pray that you would free them from that by your great love and mercy that you're pouring out here in this place and that you would show them how much you are for them, that your yes, every promise that you've given is yes, is yes in Christ. So we receive Christ. We receive his work. We receive what he's done. And I pray that you would empower them and grace them as they walk out of this place today. I thank you for this in the mighty, wonderful name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. So be it. That is such an awesome thing. I want to I ask you, if God did something special in your life, I would love for you to take one of those little connection cards. And that little connection card has a place where you can mark what Jesus did. If you're committing your life to Christ today for the first time, I would love to know that. Maybe you're renewing your commitment and you're coming back to Jesus. I want to know about that because I would love to help you with next steps. I'd love to help you with what's coming next and meet you and, and talk with you. Um, and so if, if you would do that, I would just love that. Just mark down. I'm gonna, we're going to receive the offering in just a moment. You can put that little connection card in the basket. I would love to, to communicate with you this week. Um, as we receive our tithes and offerings, oh, that was nice. As we receive our tithes and offerings, I want you to know that uh, this is something that we've committed to do because we belong here, because this is our church. This is our family. This is our home. And uh, if you're a guest here, we certainly don't expect you to give in the offering, but this is something that we choose to do to worship God with our giving, that we think that everything belongs to him that we have, <laughs> and so we give just a tenth, just 10% back to him as a way of saying, God, it all belongs to you. And so uh, lots of people give for different reasons. We choose to give because it's part of our worship. And so uh, we're going we're gonna to worship for a few moments as the offering bucket passes. Make sure you include your connection card in there. I want to thank you so much for coming today and just joining with us for our second ever service at One Chapel. We uh, would love to meet you out here uh, right at the table. Um, if, if you're uh, passing by there, I would love to just take a moment and meet you. Let's pray over the offering. Father, thank you. Thank you for what you're doing. Thank you for what you're saying. Thank you that you are yes and amen in Christ. We thank you for that. And so, Lord, we pray over this offering. We pray that you'd expand it, bless the people who give and reward them as, as they worship you. Father, I pray that you would multiply the gift to, to, to go into this city, to do things in the, on the mission field. Lord, we want, to, we want to do what you're calling us to do as one chapel. And so, Lord Jesus, 
multiply this gift for your kingdom. We thank you for it, and we love you, and we honor you. In Jesus' powerful name we pray. And everybody said amen. Come on, let's stand up and let's worship the Lord.